Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. It is time for Children's Church this morning. If you are pre-K through third grade and would like to go and hear the gospel in your own language with Miss Hope this morning, you can do that. Parents, you can pick up your children after the service upstairs. If you have not checked in your child yet, you can do that with Miss Hope right up front here this morning. It is good to be with you guys again this morning. Anytime I miss, I'm thinking to myself, wow, it is the house of the Lord and they are worshiping this morning. We were in worship this morning. Thank you, Alan, for leading us in worship this morning. We are doing a summer series called Limitless. We're kind of basing it off of the uh, Disney Plus uh, show Limitless, but it is not based upon the show. When I watch the show, All I could think about is, man, they missed the mark. They missed what actually they were actually searching for, which was eternal life. And all of the things that they did on the show, they were searching to try to live a better life, a a longer life. And the reality was the way to live a longer and a better life is, (laughs) is... To think and live for eternity. And um, that's kind of been the central theme of what we've seen in these disciplines of the faith to help us to focus our life on what really matters, what is eternal matters. We've seen how stress and anxiety is countered through prayer, focusing upon the truth of who God is. We've seen shock and adversity that is countered by a joy of faith and knowing that God is at work amidst the trial and that he will make all things right. We saw how fasting is feasting and denying the flesh for that which we need is the word of God focusing us back upon what is true and what will last. And that will be the word of God. And last time we saw strength and endurance is given to us as believers, as the church, because we have an aim. We have a destination and we live for the glory of God now and for eternity And today we look at memory and meditation, an interesting topic in today's culture as we see people today use the term meditation in a variety of ways. Often people will use it in a way as clearing your mind or through breathing techniques or mumbling uh, certain phrases under the breath. Often it is thought of in our current culture as a way to relieve stress. When we were working in Thailand with Buddhists, their meditation was all about clearing their mind, making it empty. Yet in the Christian worldview, meditation is about filling the mind with the truth of God's word. You see, the mind is a very important part of the Christian life. What fills your mind often is what comes into your heart. And that which you dwell upon in your mind becomes that which you desire in your heart. And that which you desire is what you do. 
And what you do is essentially who you are. So Philippians 4, 8, which was the theme verse from our kids camp, which was a couple weeks ago. It seems like a marathon summer. We've done one thing after the next. But Philippians 4, 8 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. The characteristics of God himself proclaim to us in his word. We are to think or meditate on these things. So the question I want us to ask today is what are you filling your mind with? What exactly do you meditate on? The challenge for this week, we've done a challenge every week. We've done challenges from swimming in an icy water to uh, running a sprint triathlon. This challenge, you can laugh, this challenge was to memorize the book of Titus. It was to memorize a whole book of the Bible. And uh, here's the video for that. servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God who never lies promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in this word with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus my true child in a common faith grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. One of the hardest parts about this challenge was memorizing the whole book of the Bible. I'd never done that before, attempted to do that before, but when you read it and then meditate on it, read it over and over again, recite it until it comes into your mind, one of the things that you see is is God's Word just becomes alive and you see how the beginning of the book relates to the middle of the book, relates to the end of the book, and how the themes of self-control and living godly lives for the glory of God come to light from the book of Titus. So, you know, it was interesting when you attempt to memorize long passages of Scripture, it takes a lot more work than you think it did. This was probably one of the harder challenges um, to, to, to do, and even even now I can get sometimes chapter 1 and chapter 2, but then I need help on chapter 3, or go back and I, I get chapter 3, but then i got to go help on chapter 1, and so you have to continually do it over and over. I, I talked to uh, Herman Reese the other day, and he said... Um, you know, he, he still uses his cards every single day, memorizing the scripture and having it come into your heart and your mind 
and uh, those seeds sown in the Word of God will come about and they will transform your actions to live for the glory of God. And that's, that's what this memorization challenge was for us. The book of Titus is actually a pastoral epistle and I wanted to um, reflect what Paul writes to Titus as elders and overseers ought to be and how they should um, teach the church by their actions. And so um, that was a challenge for me as I read this, this, this book and, and tried to memorize all the way through the first three chapters, or the whole three chapters of the book. So uh, it, was, it was a challenge and uh, church, I challenge you to take large portions of scripture and hide it in your heart. People all over the world they don't have these scriptures, and um, we are blessed to have the scriptures. Let's not take it for granted. Let's hide it in our hearts and memorize it so that we can be trees planted by streams of water. Amen. Amen. The, uh, the challenge was very challenging, just like the other challenges have been, but uh, the Lord... Uh, faithfully allows you to to finish the race, right? And uh, I used an app called Scripture Typer, in which essentially you read the verse, each verse multiple times, and you do a fill in the blank. And so you memorize it by reading it, reading it, reciting it, fill in the blank, and then you have a blank piece of uh, a blank page in which you have to type it in. And if it if it goes wrong, it buzzes at you, right? And so you, you type it in and it goes wrong, you know, so, so uh, you know, 90, 95%, I'm like, okay, I'm good, right? So, you know, you, but it, you type it out and you get very familiar and your mind absorbs uh, it into your being. I can remember when I memorized Psalm 23 as a little child. I think it was for Bible bucks or something when I was a little boy. But it it stayed, and it's never left me, the psalm. So I, I, I pray that Titus doesn't either. The Hebrew word for meditate is understood to mean muttering or musing, a picture get the picture of a, a person walking down the street mumbling scripture and thinking about it as he mumbles to himself. This was me for a few months, mumbling to myself. But the Old Testament is actually called Hebrew meditation literature. And, that, and it's called that for a reason. Because we are to be like cows. You heard that right. We are to be like cows chewing the cud. The scripture is meant to be chewed, to spit up, chew on again, until all the nutrients are sucked out of the scriptures. That's what we do as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We take certain passages of scripture and we chew on them. And we chew on them more. Matt did a great job this morning teaching in uh, his Sunday school, but you can tell that he spent time looking at the text, looking at other texts that followed that text. So we're going to look at a text this morning together in which we will all hopefully chew on a little bit and see what God has for us. Psalm chapter 1, one of the greatest texts of scripture ever known to man. So if you'll stand up, we're going to read from the Psalms. Chapter 1, 
verses 1 through 6 or the entire Psalm chapter 1. What a joy and privilege it is to read this Psalm to you this morning, to be able to preach this word to you. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth this morning that we'd so desperately need. Like a tree needs water, Father, we need to hear from you. Not to hear from Rob, but to hear from your word. Father, we need it desperately in our world, in our culture, in our jobs, in our family. Father, we need it in our church. Father, would you speak through your word? Would you help us to chew on it? To derive what we need so that we can be firmly planted trees that produce fruit of righteousness. That we may live godly lives for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There were two gardeners. One was the older lady who had continued throughout her life because of her joy in gardening. She loved getting up every morning and spending 10 minutes in her garden, taking care of the plants, pruning, cultivating the soil, eliminating the weeds every day. Just a bit of time each day. You can think of this lady in your mind. Maybe you know somebody like this. Every year she would add a little bit more to her garden until people would come and see that her garden was spectacular. People would ask her, how do you do this? This is so spectacular. You must have a lot of money, they thought or they said. You you must have so many workers working your garden. And her reply would always be the same. Nope, just a few minutes a day taking care of what God had given to me. There was a young man who saw the garden. He wanted that type of beauty and joy in his life. So he began to cultivate a garden as well. He began purchasing all these different plants. He hired people to help him plant his garden. And it was massive. 
He spent hours upon hours setting up his garden. He even read three or four books on gardening just to make sure he knew what he was doing. He tried to rush through the soil cultivation, and when he was completed, he was satisfied. Every day he would think about his garden and think to himself, well, maybe I should go and inspect and look at it. Maybe even maintain it a little bit. But his mind would shift to other priorities in his life. Every few months or so, he would realize the weeds were choking out his plants. And he would spend a whole day or a whole weekend just pulling out the weeds. And after that, his back would hurt. He would think to himself, maybe, maybe my garden isn't even worth it. Until he stopped even thinking about his garden. One day he just let it go. Until it was unrecognizable. You see unfortunately some of us are like the young man. Who think that God is going to do these extravagant works in our lives. And we begin with such a, a vibrant and passionate faith. And we lost some of that faith. Because we've not cultivated disciplines in our life to produce growth. These small disciplines cultivate a culture of faith even in our own life. The discipline of reading your Bible or prayer or coming to worship or sharing the gospel or responding to God in small ways of loving other people, helping people in need. God uses these small seeds of faith to produce great results. But it cannot happen overnight and it cannot be sustained unless the heart is in the right place. God's promise in Psalms 1 is for that person to be blessed. Why? Because his delight is in the word of God. You see, it's the small seeds of truth that are planted in our hearts and minds that produce fruit or actions that glorify God. The first two chapters in the book of Psalms introduce the whole book. They're the beginning of the Ketuvim or the other writings portion of Scripture. The law, the prophets, the other writings. Psalms begins this A very important text of scripture, chapters 1 and 2. Psalms literally means song, so it's Israel's greatest hits. And this introduces all of these songs that are produced to show, to, to, to expound, to grow the heart, the desire for our God. And chapter 1 and chapter 2 are go hand in hand. They form what we call an ecclusio. Chapter 1 begins with the word blessed. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. And at the end of chapter 2, it ends with the word blessed. Chapter 2, verse 12, kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge 
in him. All the, all the similar words throughout, if you go all the way through in the Hebrew, all the words in chapter 1 relate to chapter 2. The one who is blessed is the one who takes refuge in God's anointed one. The king who will delight in the word of God, who will be the Lord's anointed and blessed will be the one who takes refuge in this king. You see, God will bring us back here to the Garden of Eden, how we were created to produce fruit for the glory of God through the Son who will have the nations as his inheritance. It's a glorious promise. And we are reminded, as was the case in Titus, because of the grace of God appearing, we are to live for the glory of God. So let's look at verse 1 together. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the council, who walks in... Not in the count. Here we go. Let's try it again. Sometimes you just you just get messed up. We we, we needed to try it again earlier. We got to try it again here. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This is first point. This morning, God's people delight in the word of God. God's people delight in the word of God. I can't say this enough. This delight, right, comes from knowing God. Knowing who he is. And what he has done for us. In, in, in the culture we live in, all people are very religious. I, you, you may be shocked that I said that. All people are very religious. There are some who claim that they are religious, right? And then there are some who are very religious about not being religious, right? But they themselves have their own concepts. They have their own worldview that they adhere to. They're very religious about not being religious. And this, this text right here, it really cuts right at the lie that has pervaded the culture that one can have their own truth. You see, God says here that there is a right and there is a wrong there is no truth that is just relevant to each individual. There is an absolute truth. There is that which is wicked and that which is righteous. You see, so many people in our culture disregard the truth of the scripture for their own truth. But this goes against what the scripture says. The text begins with the promise, the man who is blessed, the man 
who is truly happy. Why? Because he has the favor of God. He is a blessed man. And then you have a description of this progression of no's. He is blessed because of what he says no to. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The progression is walking, standing, sitting. He is walking along. And then he begins listening to the counsel of the wicked, the way of the world. But he stops, and then he stands among them. And eventually he decides to sit in the seat of scoffers. Essentially, he takes the place of the wicked. He sits in where they are seated. The prodigal son is a great example of this. You can imagine his friend saying, hey man, let's live it up. Let's take your father's inheritance. Let's go to a far off land. Let's party it up. So he hears this, right? He, he's walking and he, he has his friends and then he stands among the friends. In some far away place, living for the pleasures of this world. When all of a sudden he sees himself, finds himself sitting in the slop of pigs, unrecognizable of who he is. You know, when we do marriage counseling, me and Jordan, we can tell how it's going by how far away the couple is sitting on the couch, right? If they're sitting like way far away, well, we... We, we've, we've got a lot of work to do, right? It's just a microcosm of their relationship. And oftentimes those that are struggling will ask the question, how did we get here? How did we get on the opposite sides of the couch? And the answer starts with listening to the counsel of the word, the world instead of the counsel of the word. Verse 2 says this, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Finally, we get out of what not to do and what exemplifies a blessed life, a life that finds favor from God himself. It is someone who delights who desires the word of God, finds joy in God's word. He desires or delights in walking in the counsel of God's word to stand in the way of the righteous and eventually sit down and learn from the master himself to reflect the glory of God. He looks like Christ. When he sits down, see, it's only Christ who could delight in God's word perfectly. Mankind from the beginning has always gone astray, each after their own way. Yet, just like the prodigal son, God would not forget his people. He is the good father 
welcomes them back. And he would send his only son to bring them back into his household through his death and resurrection so that we could be heirs according to the promise that was promised to Christ, eternal life that was given to us through Jesus Christ. So what does this Christ look like? Verse 3 tells us, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. And his leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This is our point number two this morning. God's people produce fruit from the seed sown in the word of God. God's people produce fruit. They produce fruit from what? From seed sown in the word of God. The sowing of seeds. You reap what you sow, what you put into your mind and into your heart, you will produce with fruit, either good fruit or bad fruit. Your inputs produce an output. All of life tells us this, right? We eat and therefore something comes out, right? The word of God here, though, is describing it in this nature scene and it's taking us back. It's taking us back to the days of the Garden of Eden and the Tree of Life, planted by the river, flowing out of the garden. Genesis 2.10, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. The river flowing out of the garden in this tree that's producing fruit. The imagery is magnificent. The tree has a constant supply of nourishment and as a result, the nourishment is producing this fruit. You see, the The goal is not for the tree, not only for the tree to grow big and tall, but to produce fruit for others to enjoy. Isn't that interesting? The prosperity that comes from knowing and meditating on God's word is that which is given to others. It doesn't just produce fruit so that we can know a bunch of stuff. It's producing fruit so that others can enjoy the goodness and the grace of God himself. Look at Revelation, the tree by the streams of water. Revelation 22.1. It's on the screen here. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So interesting. You've got the tree in the Garden of Eden, Next to the rivers, you've got the tree here in the Psalms, chapter 1. And then you've got the tree at the end of the book in the New Jerusalem in heaven 
that's on both sides of the river. That means it's, it's above the river. It's, its root system is in, in the river. It's, it's producing this fruit from the nourishment that comes from the throne of God, the water itself producing this fruit. And the leaves in Revelation tells us the leaves are for the healing of the nations. God is producing fruit in you, a balm so that people can find peace and healing. Amen? So you're the tree that's producing this fruit and it's, people are finding healing from the nations. That sounds like a great commission text, doesn't it? It does. Why? Because you're producing the fruit in which the nations can come and find rest and peace and healing only through Christ. You see, it again is Christ who heals, restores, and rewards. But those who are in Christ are through the work of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit transformed into Christ's likeness to be used by God. We went through the series at the beginning of the year, gifted to give. You produce fruit so that you can give it away. You are gifted by the Holy Spirit producing fruit in your life. Why? So you can give it away. So others can enjoy the characteristics of God himself. Solomon used the tree of life as a metaphor for wisdom, the wisdom of God, Proverbs 3.18. She, speaking of wisdom, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Let's look at verse 4 here. In the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Okay, you have the, the tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in a season, and then it contrasts with the wicked, or like this little chaff that just blows away. The wheat and the chaff, the, they just throw it up, and the little, little stuff just blows to the side. The tree, firm and steady, compared to the wicked, who reject God's word, and more specifically, reject his Christ. Look at chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. This is the wicked who this is describing here. Against the Lord and against his anointed. For them, a judgment is coming. Isaiah uses the opposite analogy in his prophecy of those who are facing the judgment of God. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 30 says this, For you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers and like a garden without water. Those that are facing the judgment of God 
are like a tree without water and whose leaf withers. So the psalmist is kind of giving you this fork in the road. The righteous meditating on the word of God, implanting the word of God into their minds, eventually into their hearts, and will produce fruit in their actions. And those who reject the word of God, implant the things of this world, the pleasures and the passions and the desires of this world into their mind, producing a desire for those things, which in turn produces actions that go against God and his anointed. It is a fork in the road. Which path will you take? The path of life or the path of death? Verse 5. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is point number three this morning. Judgment comes to those who reject God's word. Judgment comes to those who reject the word of God. The person that we talked about earlier in the garden... He consciously, real truly wanted to grow the garden. But other things took his time away from cultivating his garden. Sometimes it's not a pure rejection of God's word saying, I don't believe in God's word. Maybe it's just putting other things in front Before spending your time in other things besides the word of God. The Bible is clear that judgment is coming. For those who are in Christ, guess what? The judgment has already come. It came upon the cross. God judged your sin upon the cross of Christ. And now you are declared righteous, forgiven, and co-heirs with Christ and inheritance promised of eternal life. You are the tree that places by streams of water. Why? Not because of works done by you in righteousness, but because of his mercy. Amen? You see, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Just as Adam and Eve were removed from the garden, the wicked and the sinner will not be able to stand in the midst of the congregation. And in the judgment, Jesus says... He will separate the sheep, those who follow the good shepherd, from the goats, those who go their own way. 
You see, God has graciously provided for us a way of eternal life. Matthew chapter 25, verse 33, this is, this is how Jesus describes it. And he will place the sheep, those who follow the good shepherd, Christ, on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king, who is Christ, will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. There's that word, right? Blessed. Favored by God. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God has prepared for you to receive the kingdom of God. Why? Because he loves you. Because of his grace and his mercy for you. How can you not delight in the word of God? How can you not delight in God himself? It's a beautiful picture. Come. You who are blessed by my father. You didn't deserve that. But you're blessed. Because the man of God who yielded perfect fruit in his life died upon a cross for you. Matthew 21, 25, 41, a little further down, he says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed. Enter the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's tough. But there's, in the passage we we just studied in Psalms, there's two ways, the righteous and the wicked. In the passage in the judgment of God, there are those who are declared righteous by the grace of God through Christ Jesus. And then there are those that are declared unrighteous, wicked, evil sinners. This is why we delight in the word of God. This is why we love God and live his mission. This is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. The gift of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I look at this text... It's a roadmap. You young people, you may go, I mean, I have my whole life in front of me. You old people may be like, it's too late for me. Neither is true. God gives you the word of God. Will you begin to sow small seeds of faith to produce fruit, trees in your life? So that you can glorify him as you prepare for eternity with him. You see, this is why God has placed you on this earth. He has a purpose for you. 
He has a plan for you. Will you choose to go in the direction of God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God in which we delight ourselves in as your people. Father, we are blessed because of what Jesus has done for us. And Father, may we respond to the great grace of God through our actions. May we sow the seeds of the word of God into our minds and our hearts so that we may produce fruit through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, Father. We are your people. We are your body. We are your church. Ready to do the work that you've called us to do. Lord, may we be awakened to the truths of the scriptures. May we meditate on them day and night so that we may be able to understand who you are and how great and how marvelous and how glorious your great grace is to us. Lord, help us to respond this morning. Give us people of convictions who are wanting to live their life for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now is the time to respond. And your response may be, you can stand up. Your response may be a variety of things. Your response to the word of God may be, I need to begin to read the word of God in my life. I haven't read it. I don't read it. I don't spend time in God's word. That may be your response this morning. I need to read the word of God. Your response may be, I need to memorize scripture. Your response may be, I've never submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and I need to profess my faith in him. Your response may be, I need to be baptized. Your response may be, I need to be in a local church. I need to be in the community group hearing from others, standing amongst the righteous, in the congregation of the righteous. We're not righteous because we're perfect. We're righteous because he is perfect. We follow him. But we are the congregation of the righteous because he has declared that. We want you to stand with us. Would you respond to the word of God this morning? We're going to sing together. The altar is open for those who want to pray. Take my life and let it be. Come.